For those of you that weren't in here when we got started this morning, I want to say good morning and welcome uh, to the service here for Carolina Family Church. We're glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us especially, just make yourself at home, make yourself comfortable. We're glad you're here. And um, we are starting something really exciting for us. Um, we have been talking over the last five years as a church about what our mission, what our vision is as a church. And from the very beginning when God put it in our hearts to do this and start this, the goal for our church was not just to create a church that loved each other and cared about each other and served each other really well, even though that has happened. Uh, that wasn't the, the initial uh, a goal, the initial, I'm, I'm trying, I, I thought of a couple words and I was like, I'm going to mispronounce them. Anyway, uh, that wasn't the goal from the beginning. It, it's not what started this whole thing. What started for us was a passion for our community and seeing the brokenness that was happening, just uh, working in the public schools, saw it come, come through the school all the time, and just our experience and knowing the people that we knew. Um, and knowing how many families were struggling and wanting to do something in our community that was going to equip people to understand how to relate to each other in a way that honors God, to essentially to relate to people the way we were created to relate to people. And the, the, the place where that is magnified or focused the most is at home. And so the goal from the beginning was to do something where we were going to serve community, serve families in our community and help them understand how to do this. And so... God laid on our hearts something that we now call the family center. It's a second part of our vision as a church, not just to be a family, a church family together, which we've done an awesome job over That's the last... the bonus prize. Right, <laughs> that we've done over the last five years, but to do that so that we as a church family can then go and impact the families in our community. And so we've been talking over the last five years about the vision to create the family center, and now it's here. And we're very excited because we're officially launching. Go ahead. You can clap yeah, for that. You want to clap? They're clappers You don't today. need to hold I like that. It. Just yeah, like, just, you know, just do just it. Just interrupt. It's um, fine. Yeah, it's He's fine. He's used to it. We, it's, we're good. Um, I have kids. So, yeah, I'm used to oh, being interrupted. I was talking about me, but that was very nice. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. Um, Throw the kids under the bus. I like it. <laughs> And uh, so we've been working on this for years. Um, recently, at the beginning of June, we hired Amy Prater to be the, uh, the director of the Family Center. It is officially launching on September 11th. That is when we'll have our very first thing. And so we're going to do a series over the next five weeks that's going to get us ready and show you some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, but wanted to have Jess up here on stage so she can tell you a little bit about exactly what is going to be happening with the Family Center beginning in September and how you can be a part of that. So if you want to take it away. Hey, that wasn't <laughs> at all weird. <laughs> we, believe it or not, did not rehearse how this was going to go. Not so, even a little bit. Yeah, not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> on the screen right now, what you see is the mission statement for the Family Center. And so it is exactly what John just described. We um, are, we this church, the, the people here, you know, because you've filled out surveys and you've been talking to Amy and, and all those things. We are going to work on this together and launch it in September um, for the purpose of equipping families in our community to honor God in all relationships. We have three strategies to do that, the classes, coaching, and connections. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about those to get your wheels turning. Um, I, I tell you all the time, I'm the planner in the family. So if I hear launching in September, my September calendar is already in my head. September is the next month. That's not his strong suit. 
guys. And I'll it's worry fine. about it in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when it is September. Um, and most importantly, I wanted to get the open house date in front of you. If you have heard about the Family Center and maybe you've driven by it, if you've gone to Chick-fil-A, you've probably seen it, but you actually want to see inside and see the incredible work that's been done inside of that space, then we are going to have an open house on Thursday, um, September 8th from 6 to 7.30. That's a drop-in so you can kind of see the space and see how we're going to serve families through that space. With that, we have a lot of classes starting up. And so as I'm running through these classes, what I would love for you to do is think, is this class right for me or is it right for somebody I know and I could invite them um, and maybe attend with them so that they feel supported? Um, because our goal is for all of us to grow, of course, but also to do an outreach to the community. So on Sunday nights, we have a class I'm particularly excited about, being raised by a single mom. Um, it's called Single and Parenting Hard Work, yeah, <laughs> Real Hope. Um, and that's on Sunday nights, and that's going to be taught by Heather Weber and Ashley Miller. So if that's ringing a bell for you, or if you know um, a single parent that could benefit from that class, that one is for you. On Monday nights, we have I Was Broke and Now I'm Not. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are broke, I guess. I was broke and now I'm not, which is a fantastic financial class. It's going to be taught by Marie and AJ Ebersold on Monday nights. On Tuesday, we're going to have Effective Parenting in a Defective World, um, taught by us. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. I'm excited. And this is a parenting class we've done before. Um, yeah, this, done we before. did this when our kids were tiny and we're like, what do you do with them now? Because they they're here, and, and it really it really transformed the way that we parented. I mean, it really, you know, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the class we're doing as opposed to other ones, but it really transformed the way that we parented because we 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 weren't clueless, but we you know we needed some structure and some help and some guidance, and it really provided that for us. And, and they our outnumbered kids are, us. Our kids are all right, yeah. so it's it's turned out okay. So far, <laughs> so far it's working. Yeah. They outnumbered us right away, so we really needed some help. All right. And on Wednesday nights, um, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. This is going to be taught by Dennis. Those of you that um, know Dennis, you know his passion is um, counseling. This course is designed to help each of us become a mentor, a better mentor to somebody who might be struggling. So this is really important for us as we think about the ministry of our church, how to do it effectively and not in a way that might end up hurting someone down in the end. So we want to be effective in our help. So this class is going to be taught by Dennis. I'm really excited to take this class particularly. So um, he's a fantastic instructor. So I'm excited about that one too. So you can see we've got those four classes launching. That's ambitious to launch four classes right away. And so we would love for you to connect to those classes. If you want to look at the curriculum, we have it in the lobby. Amy will also be in the lobby um, after church so you can speak to her. Maybe one of these you're like, hey, I know somebody. I don't necessarily need it, but I know somebody who could really benefit. Well, you're invited too. The best way to encourage somebody to attend anything is to go with them um, and to sit with them. And I'm pretty sure God's going to honor that and teach you something as you're there. Um, but then also you might think, hey, I want to get plugged in and support this, but I'm not sure taking a class is right for me right now. What are the different ways that I can support the Family Center? And Amy's got a whole list of ways that you can support both the instructors, people attending, the organizational structure. So anything that you feel called, we talked all 
the last three weeks, we talked about the Holy Spirit and listening and then understanding what gifts we've been given. And those gifts should be used to glorify God. And this is a very clear way. If you're like, I don't, I don't know, talk to somebody and we can figure it out together. Um, I just want to mention that series one last time. If you did miss the Holy Spirit series this week, we don't, I don't, I wouldn't say we get a ton of feedback every week about the the message, and please, I'm not saying that because we need it, um, but this week in particular, it was really exciting to hear people were sharing us, sharing with us the, how the Holy Spirit was speaking to them and how they were getting better at hearing him, and then what action steps they took, and that I get up here at the end of almost every sermon, and I challenge you to take action steps because we can all sit in here together, and we can have an incredible time of worship, and we can have an incredible time um, talking and greeting and in the lobby, and then we could choose to not do anything else when we walk out the door. And then we've taken this moment of learning, and we've done nothing with it. And, and that, unfortunately, is the state of a lot of Christians in America. And so every week we challenge you to take a step, to dig down deep, that it's on you to take your next step. And so if, as we're talking about the Family Center, something inside of you is stirring and you're thinking, I think that I could plug in there, then we would love to talk um, with you. We would love to encourage you. We would love to reach out to anyone that you might, that you think would fit the class. But we're just really, really excited about the work you've made possible. And I think that we need to stress. We said from the very beginning we wouldn't launch the Family Center until we could sustain it with excellence, and you've made that possible. And so we want to thank you. Our family wants to thank you. Um, I know Amy thanks you. But also, just as a church, I'm so proud of who we are and what we're going to be able to do together. Um, I'm not going to preach the message today. I'm going to step off the stage. I told John we were just going to call it what it was, and I was going to exit gracefully this direction. So good luck, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's great. She's great. Um, uh, so, and, and a couple other things to keep in mind just to tag on to that um, is we've got the classes coming. And one of the questions we've gotten as we've been talking about the Family Center over the last you know, years has been, it, well, is, are these classes for us or are they for the community? Which is it? And the answer is both. <laughs> there are going to be plenty of these things as we're learning and growing together that we're going to take advantage of and be a part of. But we also want to make sure that everyone in the community that we can get the word to, word out to, knows about it, and they can be a part of these too, because ultimately we want the, the mission that we were doing here, the ministry we're doing here, to affect our entire community. Um, I think we have uh, cards, by the way. Did, did the cards come today? We got little business side cards. Oh, they're not here today. They'll be here next week, I'm sure. We made little business cards, and they have um, the name of the Family Center and the logo on one side, and a QR code you can scan and go to the website. And then on the other side has a list of the classes that we're offering this fall. So we'll have those next week, and you can take those if you want and share them with with other people as a way to invite them. And a reminder, we also have two events that are happening through the Family Center this fall. One is a father-son cookout. Um, and the other is a marriage conference, which is going to be a Friday night and a Saturday morning, which is going to be really awesome. I know we're, gonna, we're all going to want to be a part of that. So 
Um, we have a lot coming. We have a lot coming. And so to prepare, to get us ready and understand what the kinds of things that we're going to be doing with the Family Center, we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about relationships. And you might hear this phrase uh, we're, sharing, we're using all the time, that we want to equip people to honor God in their relationships. And the question is, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? How are we going to equip people to honor God in their relationships? How do we honor God in our relationships? And so that's what we're going to be looking at, how we do that over the next five weeks. Um, and I'll tell you right now that the, we believe, I believe strongly, that the things that God teaches us about relationships work. Okay? They work. They work when we work them. <laughs> they work. Because it's the way he created us to relate to each other. And so, honestly, even if you're not a believer, even if you're not a Christian at all, you can take the things we talk about over the next five weeks, put them in place in your relationships, and your relationships are going to improve. But the improvement that happens, I'm afraid, will be fairly tentative and fragile because it is our faith and our choice to honor God and serve God in our relationships that creates a stable foundation for our relationships. So you could take these things and do them, and they're going to help. But without the foundation of faith under them, they're going to be rockier, all right? Uh, More fragile is a way to say that. And so I want to take a minute, and I want to talk about first this, the importance of choosing to honor God in your relationships, saying today, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And what that looks like. And uh, to kind of set a stage for this, let's travel way, way back in our minds. Let's go back, get in a time machine, and go back to when the nation of Israel has entered into the promised land. All right, Moses, you know, you know the story of Moses, of course, and the, the Israelites are in Egypt, and, and Moses says, let my people go, and Pharaoh's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And it sounds like a bad idea, bad business idea. And God brings the plagues, and ultimately Pharaoh makes the decision to let the people go. The people go. They run into the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind. He's chasing them down from behind. They're trapped in the middle. God splits the Red Sea. Israel goes across on dry ground. Egypt tries to chase them bad idea. Uh, They go down into the sea. The sea closes back up and, you know, no more Egyptian army. But that means the Israelites are now free and they're supposed to go into the promised land. That's what's supposed to happen. They send spies in. The spies come back. They say, sorry, can't do it. They're too big. They're too strong. We can't overcome them. And God says, and there's two spies, of course, um, two spies that say that they can, but they're overruled. And God says, because of your lack of faith, you're going to wander. And this generation is going to pass away. You're going to wander in the desert. And then I'm going to raise up new leaders, and we're going to try this thing again. And so they wander in the desert under Moses' leadership for many years. Eventually, Moses passes away. That generation passes away. And a guy steps up into leadership named Joshua. And Joshua is the one who actually takes Israel into the promised land, which sounds like it should be a happily ever after sort of story. (laughs) But it's not because people are people. And so they go into the promised land. They begin taking ground. They begin moving through. But there are still problems. There are still issues within their nation where people are, first of all, they're, they're intermarrying with people of other faiths. 
And that's a problem because those other faiths, they worship other gods. There are people that are still hanging on to old practices of worship that they had from Egypt, old gods that were worshipped in Egypt, or even further back than that, before Abraham, Abraham's fathers and uncles and all of them, they had different gods that they worshipped, and those are still being held on to by the Israelites. And they're often referred to as the gods on the other side of the river. Okay, And so there's all of this confusion within the nation of who they are going to serve, who they're going to honor. And Joshua has been leading and dealing with this for a long time, and Joshua is about to pass away. Now, they, I don't know if they knew that. He was old. Uh, he was, you know, I think, 110 when he passed away. So his time was coming, and he realized that the only way that they were going to get this sorted out and be better off as they went forward is if they chose who they were going to honor, who they were going to serve. They had to make a choice and not live in that confusion. And so he says something. Um, first of all, we're going to Joshua 24 for just a moment. Um, he makes a statement to them, but first he prophesies and he speaks on behalf of God. And he says, for God, you know, I did this for you. And I did, you remember, I, you were in Egypt and I brought you out and I, I, I took you through the Red Sea and I provided for you in the desert and you brought, came into the, into the promised land and I gave you victories and I did all these things for you. It's basically just a recounting of God's faithfulness and God's goodness to them. And after he finishes recounting all of that, then uh, Joshua says this, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers served on the other side of the river, that were on the other side of the river, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, make your choice, I'm making mine. Now, if you've ever been to Hobby Lobby, you already know that verse, okay? (laughs) You've seen that verse somewhere. Painted on an old pallet sign of some kind, I'm sure. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. A bold statement. Maybe, maybe this is the first time you heard the context around it. But basically what he's saying is you got to make a choice. you got to make a choice on who you're going to serve and who you're going to honor. Now, he's speaking for himself and he's speaking for his, on behalf of his family. But the reality is this is an individual choice that we make. Who will you serve? And then we try to lead our family and those that we're in relationships with to make the same choice, to make the choice to honor and serve him. And I'm telling you, if you don't already know this, it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. And so make a commitment today that that's what you're going to do. In whatever relationship it is that you're in. This, this is going to be a relationship series, but we're not going to do it based on situation. So there's not going to be a week on parenting or a week on marriage or whatever else. Those are what the classes are for, more specific environments, groups are, are for. Um, the reality is your relational situations around this room are all different. And so maybe you're in middle school or high school, and you, as, we go, as we're going through the principles in the series, you'll be thinking about your relationship with your parents. Or maybe you think about your relationship with your siblings or with your best friend at school or wherever it may be. 
Uh, maybe you're at the point in your life where you're dating or you're thinking about dating and, and you want to start thinking about how this applies to that relationship or somebody that you're engaged to. Uh, some of you may be uh, married, and obviously the, the most low, you know, the low-hanging fruit here is your spouse. It's the, that's the, 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 the primary relationship in your life, and you want to think about how it applies there, or maybe your parents, and you have kids, or you have grandparents, or you have grandkids, and you're thinking about them. Uh, maybe you are uh, single as an adult, and it's a best friend, or a close confidant, or whatever else it may be. Just be thinking about what your relationships look like, and saying in that one, and maybe just, maybe just for effectiveness, you pick one as we go through the series and say, this is the one I'm going to focus on. And say, I am going to choose today to honor and serve God in this relationship. And it makes all the difference. You say, well, well, Joshua, they were talking about other gods and stuff like that, right? They were, they were other things, other gods they were serving. What does that mean for us? What do we think about that in our relationships? Well, they look like different things in our relationships. So I'll tell you, this is the, the, the default nature for humans. The default nature for humans is that in our relationships, the choice that most people make is to honor themselves. In fact, for a lot of people, that's why relationships exist at all. To honor and serve myself. So I'm in this relationship because of what I get out of the relationship. Right? That's our default nature. That's where we start, and most people operate that way, and so I'm in this relationship as long as you're giving me what I need and what I want out of the relationship, and as soon as I'm not getting what I need or what I want out of the relationship, well, the relationship's over because that's what it's based on, right? That's what most relationships are like, and uh, I hope, I hope I don't have to tell everybody in this room, that's a terrible idea, okay? It is super unhealthy to look at relationships that way. Relationships become very shallow, they become very fragile, they become very selfish, they become very frustrating, right? And you'll blow things up over and over and over again if your goal in your relationships is to honor yourself. Okay, what are some of the other alternatives? Well, another one that sounds better and maybe is a little bit better is in our relationships, we make the choice to honor the other person, to serve the other person which, of course, is better <laughs> than serving ourselves. But ultimately, if that's the goal in the relationship is to serve them, that's the point. It also can become something very shallow and something very fragile. It, it, oftentimes, those kinds of relationships become parasitic. Okay? You, you end up serving this other person, and typically in those relationships, their goal is to serve and honor themselves. So it looks like it works, but the problem is that, that the love and service and, and all of that only flows in one direction, and it only flows from you to that other person, and it just sucks the life, sucks the life, sucks the life out of you. And so it may seem like a better option, but it is also destructive. It can be exhausting, and it may very well turn you into a doormat, <laughs> even though it seems like the better choice. But I'll tell you that there's a better option. There's a better option than either one of those. It's secret option three, okay? Secret option three. And it is where joy in our relationships comes from. And it's where health, true, rooted, deep health comes from. 
in our relationships. It's the key to joy. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but joy follows relationships, not circumstances. We often think that if the circumstance gets right, we're going to have joy. But that's not how it works. Joy follows relationships, not circumstances. And so you can be, you can be at the top of the world. You can hit your career goal, get into the school you want to get into, score what you want to score on the thing. You can be at the top of the mountain situationally. And if your relationships are a wreck, you're a wreck. Or you could be going through the hardest thing you've ever gone through in your entire life and facing the biggest mountain you've ever seen in your entire life. And everything can feel like it's a mess situationally in your life. But if your relationships are good and you have someone there who's walking with you and supporting you and loving you and praying for you and and all of that, then you can have joy even in that crazy circumstance. Because joy follows relationships, not circumstances. Whether that's our relationship with God or our relationship with other people. We're going to go to um, something uh, that John wrote, First John. John was one of Jesus' best friends. He really understood relationships. When you, when you read through what he wrote, whether it's his gospel, which is very relationally oriented, or you read through these epistles, First John, Second John, Third John, which he also wrote, you can see his heart and his love of relationships and how important they were. And he was one of Jesus' best friends, if not Jesus' best friend, And he was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross giving his life on our behalf, he thought about his mother who was there, and he looked at John and he said, take care of her. He said, behold, your mother. Handed his own mother off to John. That's how much Jesus loved him. And John focuses a lot on relationships and understands this connection. And so in 1 John chapter 1, Verse 3, he's talking about the gospel. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. This is the good news of Jesus, that he gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin, and that he rose again on the third day, and that if we believe in Jesus for salvation, we can have fellowship with him. He said, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And he spends this epistle talking to them about how they're supposed to love each other based on their love for God. That that is the model. Secret option three is that instead of looking at a relationship and saying, how do I serve myself in this relationship? Or how do I serve them in this relationship? Secret option three is, how do I serve God in this relationship? How do I serve God in this relationship? Our goal is to honor him in it. Not necessarily ourselves, not necessarily the other person, but to honor and glorify him in this relationship, whatever it means. Now, when we do that, you know what ends up happening? (laughs) We end up serving the other person, and we end up being served in that relationship. But that's not the basis, and that's not the goal. The goal is to honor and glorify him. It's the key to healthy relationships, but most people don't realize it and don't ever find it. So we're going to talk, spend the next five weeks talking about some ways that we can do this. Ways that we are going to honor God in our relationships and serve him. We'll look at how God wants us to love him as the model. 
And as we learn about how we are to love God, we'll learn about how we are to love each other. John goes on uh, in 1 John. As he continues, he says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All right, this, this verse is not about salvation. John is assuming his readers in 1 John are already saved. He makes that clear at the beginning. What he's talking about is how to walk in fellowship with God. And he said the only way that you're actually walking in fellowship with God, loving, serving, and honoring God, is if you're walking in the light. If you're walking in openness, in honesty, in purity, and, and if, you're, if you're walking in the dark and claim that you have a relationship with him, that you have fellowship with him, you're kidding yourself. Like God is not fooled, but you're kidding yourself and you're, you're, kid, you're pretending. And so one of the crucial keys that John hits right at the beginning of this letter for our relationship with God, how God wants us to love him, is that he wants us to walk in truth and light and honesty in openness, in vulnerability, this is one of the biggest problems we have in our relationships because we're not being honest. We're not being truthful. We're not being vulnerable. To be close to God, we have to be honest with God about who we are and what we struggle with and where, where we're at. Now, thankfully, our relationship with God is a safe one because we know that he loves us, because we know that he saved us uh, with the cross and the empty grave. And we know that if we go to God and if we're honest and we confess our sin, that's what John says next, by the way. Um, Let's keep reading verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you don't need to pretend or lie or hide from God. He knows already. What he wants from us is honesty and integrity. He wants us to confess our sin to him. And we're in a safe relationship with him. We know how he's going to react. So if we confess what is in the darkness of our heart so we can step out into the light, we can have the confidence to know he absolutely will forgive us and he will cleanse that from us. So we have confidence in that relationship. He wants us to walk that way with him. And if we're going to honor him and serve him in our relationships, then we will do the same with the people that we are in a relationship with. So whether that's your spouse or your parents or your kids or your friends or whoever it may be, if we walk in the light with him, then we should also walk in the light with them. And it's a way to serve and honor him in our relationship with someone else. Yet oftentimes in our relationships, we walk in the dark. And we walk in the light with God, but we walk in the dark with other people. And that is no way to live and it's no way to love. It's best to walk in honesty, vulnerability, truth, walk in the light in our relationships with others. Many relationships that I see that are struggling, and oftentimes just because of, you know, because I stand here and do this, people come to me and ask me for advice on their relationships or whatever. And almost every time that I see somebody who's struggling in a relationship, marriage or whatever else, it's because there are hidden things. 
And it's the hidden things that are crushing trust. It's the hidden things that are crushing honesty and truth and vulnerability. And because those things come out into the light, and until they come out into the light, the relationship cannot be healed. Faking it, sweeping it under the rug doesn't work. It doesn't work because the consequences of the darkness are still there, and they still show themselves in other ways in the relationship. You may think you have that thing hidden, but it's not hidden. It's affecting the relationship. And the only way to to experience the kind of joy in that relationship that you've been created for is if you step out of the dark and into the light. Now, that's a lot scarier with people than it is with God. Because we know we're safe with God. We know how God will react. We know he's consistent. We know he's gracious. We know he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we don't know if that other person is going to be faithful and just and forgive us for that thing that's in the dark. But that is no reason to keep it in the dark. That is no reason. And it's part of the reason that it's so important for us to make the choice in those close relationships from the outset of them that our goal is to honor and glorify God in this relationship. That that is said, that it's understood. To know that both of us are operating in the same goal, which is that we individually want to honor and glorify God. So that when we are honest and we put, it, put that out to them and show them and tell them and bring it out into the light, we have confidence to know that they will react the way that God reacts, and that's to be faithful and just and forgive us our sin. And so if you're struggling in one of your relationships, maybe this is why. Maybe it's because you've been walking in the dark instead of in the light, and you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make on whether you're going to honor God in your relationship and be honest with him about it, and then be honest with the other person regardless of what the consequences of that are. And just say, I'm not doing this because of what I'm going to get out of it. And I'm not doing it because of what you're going to get out of it. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Because it honors and glorifies God. And I'll deal with the consequences of what that may be. Because I'm making the choice to honor him instead of myself. I know how scary that is. I've done that. But we need to make a statement. To say, as for me... I will be an open book. I will be an open book. Sometimes it's not being honest about something um, in a relationship that we are feeling. We're afraid that if we say that thing that the that it's gonna they're gonna react poorly. Or if I if I tell, you know, let's think about when I hold back for myself. Sometimes I don't tell just things that I'm scared about. Because I'm afraid that if, that if I tell her that I'm scared about this thing, that she's not going to think I'm strong or brave or, or not going to be able to provide or whatever else, whatever, whatever fear that is that's within me. Or, or, or I'm afraid to tell her that I feel like totally inadequate to do this thing, you know, because I don't want her to think less of me. Because in, and what is that? That's it's a totally selfish way to look. So concerned about how she looks at me and how she perceives me. When the truth is that confessing those things to her and when I have are some of the most healing and empowering and joyful moments that I have. When I have the bravery to say to her, this is actually how I feel. And it creates trust and closeness and joy that doesn't exist when I'm pretending to be strong. 
Most of the fears we have about walking in the light aren't even based in reality. They're not even true. They're lies that are being told to, to us or that we are telling to ourselves that just keep us in captivity. And that the best way to live is in the light. The best way to live is in the light. To get it out there, to say it. So maybe the first step, that if our choice is that I want to honor God in all of my relationships, I want to honor and serve him. The first step in this is to make sure that we are an open book with him. Which sounds a little silly, doesn't it? I don't know, it sounds a little silly. It feels a little silly to me because I do this. I don't confess things to him as if he doesn't already know. <laughs> it's a little bit like, I don't know, it's a little bit like anytime Jess, okay, for those of you, if, if you haven't had a chance to meet Jess, that's my wife, and she was up here earlier, and she's awesome. And she's uh, assistant principal in a middle school. And middle schoolers, so cute, think they can lie to her, okay? <laughs> it's adorable because she's seen it all, okay? She has seen it all, and even the best ones that come through, she sees right through it every single time. Like nobody pulls the wool over Jess's eyes, particularly our kids. So it's adorable at our house when they are in that middle school age and they think, <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, guys, you don't even know. Uh, they think they can, they can pull one over on her. She already knows. She already knows. And until you tell her, there will be tension between you because she knows and you haven't said it yet. And I think about that in our relationship with God. He already knows. But until I confess it to him, until I'm honest with him, there is tension between us. It doesn't need to be there because we have confidence that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we can, in confidence, tell him. He already knows. So maybe the first step for you today is to say, I'm going to choose today to walk in the light with God. I will be an open book with God, and I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to confess my doubt. I'm going to confess my struggle and my questions and my fears, and I'm going to lay it all out for him. So I'm walking in the light with him instead of the dark. And then to look at the relationships in your life that are being affected by those same things and saying, you know what? It's time to let it out. It's time to be honest. It's time to tell you what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I'm doing, what I'm struggling with, what I'm afraid of, whatever. Because I want you to know, because together I want our life to honor God and I want to walk in the light together. And you might be surprised. Now, um, you don't know how they're going to react, obviously. I understand that all those relationships are different. But if the other person is making the decision to honor God in their relationships as well, if they are saying, as for me, I will serve the Lord as well, then what may very well happen in that moment is you step into the light as they step into the light as well. And if they do, if your spouse comes to you, if your kids come to you, if your parents come to you, if your friend comes to you or whatever it may be, if they come to you and they say, I want to step out of the light or out of the dark and into the light, and there's some things I need to tell you, I want to encourage you the best that you can to make a commitment to honor God in your relationship in that moment and to respond to them in the same way that God responds to them and to be faithful and just the same way he is with you. And to allow that to be a moment in your relationship of healing and bonding 
and ultimately joy that will result. As you walk in the light together, you grow closer together, and you commit on an even deeper level to honoring and serving God in your relationship. I know it's scary, and I know it's difficult, but I promise you, promise you, it's worth it because it's the way God created you to live. It's the way he created you to live. And it's the way he created us to love each other. And it's the way he created us to love him. You think way back to when it all began. What did Adam and Eve do? They covered themselves out of shame. They stepped into the dark. And we need to get back to what God originally created us for. All right? Keep your clothes on. I'm not saying that, okay? But spiritually, emotionally, mentally, to walk in the light and open this, an open book. And so I want to encourage you as we're thinking about the impact that we're going to have in our community, that it starts right here. It starts here. And we can't, we, we will struggle to teach people and show people in our community what healthy God-honoring relationships look like if we don't have God-honoring healthy relationships right here. It's part of the reason we put five years into building this church and learning and growing and doing all of that together. And so today, we need to say, make a commitment and say, as for me, I will serve the Lord in all of my relationships. All right, so let's take a moment to pray, and we're going to sing a song and use that as time to commit this to the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we want you to know today that we love you so, so much. And we are so thankful that you, God, Father, God of the universe, loved us enough to bring us into your family so that we could learn how to have the relationship with you you created us for. A special relationship with you built on love and truth, built on honesty, built on so many things. And we're learning, we're learning, we're trying to, we want to get back to what you created us for. So continue to teach us. Use the the guidance of the Spirit. Use the believers around us. Use your word. Use all of it to show us who you created us to be so we can step right back into what you created us for and experience the joy and the life and the vibrance and the fullness of what you created us for. And so today we want to make a commitment to you. Our commitment is that we, as for us, We will serve you. We will serve you. We will honor you. We will glorify you. We'll do that in our relationships, the people closest to us. Not for our benefit, not for their benefit, but for yours. And as we do that, we know that we will benefit and they will benefit. But our goal is to honor and glorify you. Specifically, God, I ask right now that you would show everybody, you've been showing us, I'm sure, in the room, where we're in the dark, where we've been in the dark, where we've been in the dark with you. You've been hiding it, pretending like it's not there. And today, you want us to be honest with you. You want us to be completely transparent, see through us, an open book. 
for someone today that may be confessing to you their disbelief in you for many years. And today they want to accept salvation through Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection, stepping into the light for the very first time with you. For others in the room, it's sin that's been in our life that we've kept in the dark. We've been hiding. We've been pushing it aside, I guess, thinking you didn't see it. It's been doubt or questions or frustration or anger or fear. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to step in the light, God, and say, this is here. This is, this is a thing. And we're tired of hiding it, and we're try- tired of stuffing it away, and we're tired of pretending like it's not there. It's here, and we want to lay it in front of you. Knowing that you are faithful and you are just, that you will forgive us, and you will cleanse us. And then, God, as we walk in that honesty with you, help us to walk in that honesty with the people that we love so much that we would remove any selfishness that might exist, any fear that might be there. And I pray you give each person here the confidence and the boldness to say what you want them to say to confess what you want them to confess, to lay bare what you want them to lay bare, regardless of what a response might be. Give them confidence to do that. Give us confidence to do that. Knowing that life is better in the light. And God, for any of us that may find ourselves on the receiving end of that, as we say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. That if someone else whose goal is to do that comes to us and shares something, lays something out, drags it out of the dark and into the light, give us the grace and the wisdom to respond the same way you would respond or the same way you will respond when they bring it to you. So that we together can say, as for us, we will serve the Lord. And we will honor you in all things, especially the things most dear that you've given to us. So, Father, all of these things we place in your hands. We ask you to lead us and guide us and change us. That we can rest in your glory and in your goodness. To know that you are faithful and you are true. You are our creator and designer. And so we want to walk with you the way you created us to walk walk with each other the way you created us to walk. All these things are yours. It's in your name we pray.
Amen.